Good afternoon and welcome to Word on the Street. I'm Carolina and I'm here with my co-host Leah. We also have Leanne driving the desk, Lorai on our social media channels and Jige as your producer. We have a thought-provoking show for you today. We have interviews of a range of special guests talking about sustainability, climate change, the rising cost of living and strikes affecting universities across the country. We also have an incredibly special artist spotlight, so stay tuned to find out who that is. Also, Black Friday is happening today, so let us know on our Twitter at ZimitFM if you are buying anything or if you are using it to buy an early Christmas present, maybe. Are you thinking of buying something, Leah? Um, You know what? I think I'm just going to save my money at the moment. I mean, I think my mom back in Portugal, uh, yesterday she's called me, oh, I want to buy your dad this so maybe i'm gonna like enjoy black friday and buy everything yeah but we'll see i don't think i'm gonna buy anything you are listening to word on the street get involved with the show and tweet us at demon fm on twitter So I'm sure you have noticed the picket lines on campus or have been somehow affected by university staff strike. To understand more about the subject, earlier this week, I spoke to someone of the University and College Union Committee at our university. I'm here with Rob Blow, one of the communication secretaries at the UCU Committee here at the Montfort University. So what is the University and College Union? University and College Union, or UCU as we generally call it, is the main union for academic staff but also there are other members of staff who are also part of UCU although most of those will be another union but mainly it's an academics union it's the biggest one in the country. And what led to these strikes that are coming up these next days? One of the main things is the pay claim which we've been offered three percent. Now if you compare that to the cost of living crisis that we're all going through and the fact that three percent is is not anywhere near the rate of inflation then we're talking to what's actually a pay cut. Now, if it was on its own, that would be one thing, but this has gone on for years and years. We haven't had a pay rise above the rate of inflation since, I think it's 2009, which um, when the sums have been done, basically our pay has dropped by about 25%. So we're just getting poorer. That's one of the things. Now, it's not just pay. Standards are going down, unfortunately, for you students at the moment. And that's not the fault of the people who are teaching the stuff. You know, it's to do with things like overwork. So most staff now have got a massive workload. I think on average, full-time lecturing staff are working over 50 hours a week. That's with all the extra add-ons and various duties that we have to perform outside of teaching. So we're working over 50 hours a week if you're on a full-time contract. As well as that, on a national level, levels of equality are at a low So what we're doing is we're trying to fight for a more level playing field for people who are various genders from different ethnicities and things like that, because at the moment it's skewed. Finally, we're also looking at casualisation. There's a hell of a lot of staff who are either on fixed term contracts or part-time hourly paid contracts. They don't know how much they're going to get paid. You know, they don't know when their job can end, but this is common practice all over the university sector. So what we've got now is the first national strike, which includes every single university in the country. What are the strikes, demands and reivindications? What we want is we want a better pay offer than 3%. Okay, we want something that matches or beats the rate of inflation. We also want more equality. 
in the workplace and we want cuts on our workload which are, are absolutely ridiculous i mean look i'm a union rep i've talked to members of staff who are literally in tears about how much they've got to do and then they've got to go off and teach you it is a struggle you know so people think oh you know university is a cushy job well in some ways it is but that doesn't stop them from trying to drive us down to the bottom which is what they're doing as i say your members of staff your teachers are suffering from this and, and as we say our working conditions they're your learning conditions what does the action short of strike involved Actions short of a strike is basically us working to our contracts. That means we're not doing any extra things. We're, you know, all the little favours we do, the little goodwill gestures and things like that. So that's tough. It does have an effect. And it also, unfortunately, will have an effect on you as students, you know, and we're really sorry about that. But this is the only, it's the only weapon we have, yeah. unfortunately, you know, because we've tried talking and we've tried asking, we've tried begging. At the end of the day, this is where it comes to. We have to take action. And, and this, the sad thing is that will have an effect on, on you as students. How can students show their support? We'll be running picket lines. So please do come to our pickets. Join in, stand with us. You could talk to your student union. Make sure that the student union here is backing us as well. But normally here, the student union likes to remain neutral. What I'd say to the student union is you cannot remain neutral. You know, there's no sitting on the fence with this one. This is affecting you as students. You have to get out and back your students. That's who you're there for. From what time and where can we find the picket lines? We'll be starting early, very early in the morning. Probably about 7.30 in the morning we'll be starting. We'll be all over the campus. Okay. Um, but we'll have other events planned as well. So we've got, we're going to be running what we call teach-outs. So we'll have some extra lessons that won't be your usual lectures from UCU members. I think we've got a Zumba class going on oh, on the nice. picket line. You know, so there's all kinds of things like that and um, various other things as well. So, you know, we try and make our, our, our pickets. I mean, from the last strike, it was it was very much a party atmosphere okay and we tried to keep that going all students are welcome to participate all right that's all the time we have thank you for accepting the invitation okay thanks for having wow me. that was a really insightful interview you can really tell how passionate rob is about those strikes and i feel like it's really easy to be biased as a student when we see these types of strikes happening but hearing the other side of the story story really makes you feel for those who are like directly affected by it Yeah, on the day after the interview, Rod sent me an email saying that the branch asked DMU to donate all strike-related pay deductions to the Student Hardship Fund, which, for those who don't know, is a fund given by the university to students who are experiencing a fi financial hardship. So it is really clear that they have students' best interests in mind. Again, if you agree with their reivindications and you want to show your support for lecturers, go join them at the picket lines. And if If you want to keep updated, just follow them at DMU underscore UCU. Word on the street! 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 Don't forget to get in touch with us on on Twitter at DemonFM and tell us if you are buying anything or uh, at Black Friday or if you are using it to buy an early Christmas present. We already have one answer by Halfie Freeman who is saying that he's buying his niece and nephew matching teddy for Christmas, which is adorable. <laughs> I love that idea. That's so cute. Um, now on with the show. Climate change has been affecting our world more and more over the years. 
Definitely. I've personally noticed how cold the winters are getting recently and how hot the summers are starting to become. It just seems to get more and more extreme every year. I think that with all these natural disasters happening around the world, like floods, droughts and wildfires, I'm just a little bit afraid I might not have the opportunity to get to like my 40s. But let's hear what other people have to say. There was a climate strike going on in Leicester City Centre last week. And we went there and spoke to people to learn more about what worries them the most about climate change. That global justice, social justice will get even worse. We'll be even more marginalised people. That's what worries me the most. Mainly like the animals and the effect on like poorer countries. I just feel like it's not really fair on them because the ones who contribute most to climate change are the ones who are least going to be affected. It's the fact that if we don't stop the course of damage, the world will be fundamentally changed and billions of people will be affected by climate change. Yeah, I'm just worried that, you know, people won't believe young people just because they're young and they'll think that we're too immature or that we don't know what we're talking about. The, I believe the government's left it a bit too late to go eco now and we should have done it a long time ago for it to have any real effect. That we're not acting urgently enough and that my daughter will grow up to regret having ever been born. It's just a very anxiety inducing thing. I think a lot of young people are really affected by it and I'd say that's probably the thing that worries me the most. I guess how late we've left it, that we are only able to do as much as we are now uh, when we could have done more a lot sooner. Wow, it's just... So it's not just us that are feeling anxious about climate change. It's always refreshing to hear what other people's perspectives on issues like this are. Yeah, definitely. And while we are still on the climate subject, I think it's time for me to launch my riddle because we're going to have one each, um, each show. So the riddle for today's show is how many species, and this includes plants and animals, are at risk of extinction due to the climate change? If you want to take a guess, tweet us at DemonFM, and I'll let you know the answer at the end of the show. Any guesses, Leah? Um, I'm going to make a really like out there guess because I'm not honestly <laughs> sure. Like I know there's a lot of species, and if we're talking the, like yeah, plants definitely. and animals, then I would guess around a 1,000. Um, but I feel like the number will probably be higher, so I'm just trying to be optimistic here. Now, we interviewed Tyler Grant Hooley, co-coordinator of the Youth Strike for Climate branch in Leicester, and Benazir Mohammed, a volunteer at the branch, to get a better understanding about the movement and to find out more about climate anxiety. How and why did this movement start and when was this Leicester branch born? The movement started, I don't want to say with Greta Thunberg, because there's lots of other people who were a part of making that, but I think she was the first person that the media sort of latched onto. And so we started it because we heard of those actions going on in other parts of Europe, but also in England. And what made you not only participate in the movement, but being part of its uh, organisation here in Leicester? I really wanted to see... an a movement like it in Leicester because I think in a lot of time with these sorts of things uh, they pass over mi cities in the Midlands or they pass over multicultural cities so yeah I wanted to start a movement in Leicester. What about you? Well I joined Climate Strike Leicester last September and with climate movements um, and eco movements I didn't feel I was being represented because you don't see a lot of brown people um, in these types of uh, movements so I wanted to change that and I wanted to make sure that I 
was representative of my community and where I'm yeah. from. Which were the reivindications for today's strike? Well, with every strike, we have an aim to empower young people and to make sure it's better than the last strike and make sure it's more powerful. So yeah, today might be our last one for a while. Why is that? We are mostly an under-18s organisation, but um, we are now reaching the point where a lot of our members are over 18 and they want to move on, do other things, do other things in politics, but also other things in their lives. So there will be things going on. We're going to have an exhibit in Leicester Museum, so that's definitely something to watch out for. That looks fantastic. So there is stuff going on. Climate activism is not over just because we're not doing active protests anymore, but it might it might change. If any of our listeners are interested in like continuing your work, what could they do to do that? So the best way to get involved in our work is through our social media because we literally post everything that we do and come to our meetings. <laughs> People don't come to our meetings, which, you know, are so important in terms of like logistics and planning and organising the strikes and organising stewards and stuff. So our meetings take place every two Mondays at the University of Leicester Students' Union, which is in the Percy G building. They start at 430 it's a space where you can feel empowered, but at the same time be so informed and learn more about what young people in Leicester can do in terms of climate change. How important do you think it is for us youth to show that we are concerned about the climate change? Um, it's incredibly important. A lot of young people have so much vitality about climate change and climate justice. And it's so important that we get involved. I think young people should keep being angry and keep fighting which is also what our protests are about we are we are angry and we are gonna keep fighting and we as grace said earlier today oh we're not gonna shut up yeah don't shut up about climate change don't shut up about climate injustice <laughs> what is climate anxiety and how can you battle it Climate anxiety would be best explained as just general anxiety about lack of government action and the climate disaster that we are facing right now. And as a young person, we feel so much pressure to do something, but we don't know how to do it. And that is a huge trigger for <laughs> climate anxiety. Um, joining movements like Climate Strike Leicester, finding community, because there is, as Tyler said, people out there who care about this issue and people out there who are just as angry as you and just as scared as you, but you don't need to be scared on your own. <laughs> there are people out there who can comfort you and want to do something about it. So yeah, that's the best way for battling climate anxiety, yeah. I think. I think um, a huge trigger for me at least with climate anxiety is the media just as they always do sort of clings on to scaremongering stories or um, like dramatizes issues and climate change is a really serious problem it's a scary problem it's something that we should be taking seriously but just a lot of the things that you see they've been exaggerated a lot so yeah I think get off of the internet get off of twitter go join actual protests on the street yeah get off of twitter get on the streets <laughs> true <laughs> you know what i really like their advice about climate anxiety because i feel like it's so easy for us to blame ourselves for the current state of the world when there's so many bigger issues at hand 
Yeah, and I think get out of Twitter, get on the streets. It's a really great last statement that anyone should follow. Also, to anyone interested in helping the Climate Strike branch, uh, just message them on Instagram at Climate Strike Cluster and keep an eye out for the museum exhibition that might be happening sometime around Earth Week in April. Don't forget to get involved with our Twitter at DemonFM to tell us if you are buying anything or if you're using uh, Black Friday to buy Christmas presents. And we also have the riddle, how many species, and this includes plants and animals, are at risk of extinction extinction, sorry, due to climate change? Uh, Leah, has the rise in cost of living changed anything in your day-to-day life? Yeah, it has actually, because I find that now I'm budgeting a lot tighter to prevent overspending on really unnecessary things. Like, for example, when I need to go back home to London, I'm always using different apps and vouchers to get the cheapest train tickets as possible. Um, I actually really recommend that, by the way, guys. How about you? Well, sometimes when I'm low on food or just don't feel like cooking after like a day of work or uni, instead of ordering from Uber Eats or any other app like that, I use an app that sells the products that aren't sold, that were were not sold on the day in like supermarkets or bakeries or whatever, or are passing their best by date. Uh, and it's way cheaper than Uber Eats or anything else. And it's also very sustainable because that food is not getting um, wasted. Uh, and yeah, you never really know what you're gonna get. So it's always exciting to get, to go and grab your stuff. Like back in Portugal with my friends, we did that with a bakery and we got um, two um, kilo breads, which were insane. They were insanely big. Wow. And a couple of Portuguese pastries, really good. And here at a supermarket um, in the UK, uh, me and my flatmates got a big box with like um, strawberries, vegetables, a couple of salads, uh, a vegan cake, which was really good. That is so good. And yeah, if you guys are interested in the app is called Too Good To Go, if you want to check it out. Yeah, well, we spoke to the people of Leicester about the rise in the cost of living and what changes they made to their lives to save money. I'm using my bike a lot more rather than driving to save on petrol money. Yeah, just getting all my clothes secondhand now. It's better for the environment too, which feels good. I've changed the way I probably use my heating at home. I turn off my heating most of the day. I probably use it just at night. I wouldn't say I eat less when I go out. <laughs> probably just spend less than I normally would and probably go out once within a week normally. Um, Not really. I feel like I've been in cost of living crisis over my whole life. Even like um going to the shopping market, like I always go to the... The cheaper alternative completely changed all of the stuff that I was eating I've gone to instant noodles all the time and frozen chicken from Pasca even just going grocery shopping getting like you know the cheaper alternatives can't get good quality food good quality vegetables and fruit which is really bad because everyone deserves quality food we try and keep all the lights off in like communal rooms if none of us are in there we do have bills covered but it's only up to a certain limit so we're putting a lot of effort in to reduce any like electricity use i quite relate to the person that says that they always lived in cost of living crisis because i've always bought the cheapest option when i'm grocery shopping or at least i try to so i think it's something that it's already so carved in my brain that i just do it 
uh, naturally. Yeah, I get you. And to be honest, from my perspective, it's always really interesting to see what where people's heads are at when they're trying to spend less, like what they cut out of their lives, etc. For some people, it might be eating less and for other people, it might be going out less. For me, it's definitely eating less. Do you have any more uh, tips on how to save money? Yeah, you know what? This is for my book lovers, yeah? If you buy a lot of books and you go through them at a very fast rate, your best bet is to go to a charity shop and go buy books there because you can get, like, one book for a pound. And I'm telling you from now, if you're a fast reader like me, I'll go through, like, a book a day. Um, Just go to the charity shop, find a book. It's kind of like a lottery. You you find some, you might not find some. But, um, and then just re-donate them back to charity once you're done with them. It's the best way to save so much money. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. And people... You can have a book that other people had. Did Did you ever found any like uh, reading in the books, like what, a message? Like or writing. Uh, you know what? I've seen like revision notes in some of them before because oh, I bought so a Frankenstein so nice. book and someone was using it for their A levels because I did Frankenstein for my A levels as well and it had all their little like underlining and highlights and stuff in there. It's yeah, that's so cool. interesting. Yeah. Also, don't forget to get involved with the show and Twitter at FM to tell us if you are buying anything on Black Friday or if you are using it to buy an early Christmas. We also have a riddle going on, which is how many species, and this includes plants and animals, are at risk of ex- extinction due to cl- climate change. We have one guess by Alfie Freeman, who says 100,000. It's a good guess. I'm not going to say if it's close or if it's not. We're going to find out at the end of the show. Up next, I did an interview with Nick James, an owner of a sustainable clothing brand called St. Saviours, and they're based here in Leicester. They're all about protecting the planet and promoting Leicester's heritage through clothing. Hi, so today I'm joined by Nick from St. Saviours, a Leicester-based clothing brand. Hello, Nick. Hello, thanks for having me. Could you tell us a little bit more about your brand and its values? Yeah, so um, St. Saviours is a Leicester-based independent clothing brand. We sort of specialise in raising awareness of like Leicester's heritage in sort of like within our designs. And we try and be as sustainable as possible. What is the textile heritage of Leicester and why is Leicester important in the textile industry history? Uh, like Leicester's textile background is huge so obviously like in recent years it's had a bit of a bad rap because of fast fashion and you know so we thought it was like really important to sort of raise awareness of how great Leicester used to be like you had Daniel Cora who sort of he had this huge factory and then behind it he built all these houses for his workers and it was almost like a mini village they had schools places for people to work and go and certain areas of Leicester as well were like pioneered so one particular business, one factory, created the idea of having like a sliding wall to like letting more light so they could work longer. Oh, so yeah. you, you sort of got as much natural light as possible. And there was, yeah, just loads of sort of different aspects of pioneering going on. And so what about Leicester's heritage specifically inspired your design? It was just basically going back to that. Yeah, so sort of like in our within our designs, we sort of like give a little nod to a particular factory or maybe a, a certain person. Uh, for example... Our stockinger sweater. So back in the day, I don't know if you know the Globe pub in in Central yeah. Town. Yeah. yeah. So Nathaniel Cora used to meet all these other stockinger guys from all over the world on every Saturday in there. Oh wow! And they would come in and they would share their materials, and he would look at their different stockings and things like that because that's what it was in hosiery. And they all used to trade in 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 the Globe. So our stockinger design sort of represents that. We've got like the the beer hop on there. We've got the Globe. Oh, to represent wow. the pub name. That's amazing. And um, we sort of like tied it all into this design. So not only are you buying like a nice design, but you've got a bit of history with it as well. 
Why do you make genderless clothes? And is there anything on a manufacturing level that you need to change so that one piece of clothing can suit everyone? We just wanted to be inclusive of everyone, really. Obviously, once you start sort of marketing towards a specific gender, you sort of pigeonhole yourself into a particular area. So we just wanted to sort of appeal to everybody. And obviously with that, it took such a long time to find the right cut for our T-shirts and for our hoodies, just so that it would sort of still fit like men's broader shoulders in but also be comfortable for women as well. So what do you incorporate into your business in order to be as sustainable as possible? To be as sustainable as possible we uh, made sure we did like plenty of research into who we were going to be having our manufacturing with right down to even the screen printing and things like that. So like our hoodies and our t-shirts and our sweats for example all come from a factory in LA. They're really big on encouraging their workers to, to cycle to work. They offer electric cars as work vehicles. They have like censored lighting and stuff so when it's not being used they will switch to led wow. and they recycle all their water as well and they they try not to make anything go to waste in terms of the garment itself as well from there we sort of like looked into leicester because leicester's got a huge manufacturing sort of side to it yeah. and we found that sadly like none of the values really sort of match what we wanted to do but the printing side of things we found a really great screen printers in leicester they use like vegetable inks so yeah it's less toxic and things like that for environment and so we use at the moment vegetable inks on as sustainable as possible clothing what sort of advice would you give to someone who's currently looking to start their own business I would say do as much research as possible. It's always good to team with somebody as well. So like me and my brother both do St. Saviors together and I'm more of the creative kind of side of things. So I do all the designs, the website and all the socials and things, whereas he's a little bit more business minded. And we feel like we both sort of bounce off each other that way. Get a small team together as well, you know, of local printers and people and just, just find your sort of family. What kind of advice would you give to pre-existing companies for them to be more eco-friendly or sustainable? Do as much digging as you can into the factories that you're working with. There's a lot of greenwashing where a lot of factories will say, yes, we're doing this and yes, we're doing that. When really there's the other things going on behind the scenes. Just be sort of more aware. I mean, at the moment, we have a particular jacket that we're working on and our factory already has have the blanks so we didn't have to do any sort of initial designing but we didn't want the lining that's inside it because it's like a puffy padded sort of lining but we've since found another manufacturer who is into military surplus manufacturing okay. and they've taken the lining from us and they've repurposed it their end they're like nothing's gone to waste you know so it's just being about being a bit more conscious about where your things are going and obviously building your stuff to last as well you know but we don't want to be into that fast fashion sort of thing you know we want yeah. we're, we're building things to last Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And that was Leah speaking with Nick from Sand Saviors. If you want to learn more about the brand, just go over to their website at www.sandsavers.cl. I quite like the idea of relating the designs with the history of the city. And I think that is just such a cool and refreshing idea. Yeah, I just have a special love for genderless clothing brands in general because I personally feel really comfortable in more neutral clothing, often quite baggy clothing. And on a day-to-day -day basis, it's just comfortable stuff to wear. And it's always a bonus when they care about the planet too. Actually, I don't think... I love the idea of genderless clothes. I think it's because clothes shouldn't have a gender. It's just like a piece of fabric, so it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I wear very, like many baggy clothes, but I like their style. I love their style. I think it's amazing. Yeah, they do have really good style. I really, you know, hyped him up on those designs there. I thought they were really cool. And just how much he ties it in with the history of Leicester was just, I've honestly never seen anything like that before. So props to Nick for that. And I didn't know anything about the Leicester textile heritage. I know I'm not from Leicester, 
but it was <coughs> interesting to know because Very. again i didn't know anything about it and it's such a rich heritage that you go like oh wow i live in this city and they have this this and that and i had no idea about it Look yeah at him, so cool and i feel like their clothes kind of like he kind of said in the interview they have that kind of vintage vibe even before it's got the you know the time to be vintage i guess exactly. um they just look really nice i like the simplicity of their designs but they also get really complex sometimes as well they've got a really good range so definitely check them out they're very cool so yeah. we're almost at the end of the show now we ask you what you were buying if you're buying anything on black friday or if you are using it to buy an early christmas presents Unfortunately, we don't have many answers, but we're still on time for you to quickly, really, really quickly just write something. Because again, we have Alfie who is buying um, his niece and nephew matching teddies, and that's really, really cute. We also have um, a riddle going on, which I'm going to be uh, revealing the answer just after this. And, but honestly, I don't think I'm buying anything this Black Friday because I haven't got paid yet. <laughs> but I might have a look at some discounts of my favorite stars when I get back home. When I get back home, what about you? You know what? I'm probably gonna go for a good charity shop uh, just to be sustainable. After this uh, show, I feel like I need to be more sustainable. So I'm probably gonna buy <laughs> oh, <definitely>. some. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna buy some new books, some new clothes. Maybe if you know, it's all. It's honestly just a lottery. Every time you go to a charity shop, you might find something amazing. You might find something like not amazing but i'm trying not to support fast fashion anymore because of how unethical they are so i am trying to shop more with local small businesses and obviously a lot of charities too um i agree i mean i cannot buy clothes anymore i just go to fast fashion shops and i look at them and i'm like ah, nothing new <laughs> nothing new and yeah so i don't buy it and i don't like it that much um also uh, going back to the UCU um, strike, we put a poll on Twitter asking people if they were uh, thinking of joining the picket lines. We have four answers and they are all um, positive. So all the people that voted, they voted yes. So they're probably joining the picket lines or probably listening to us from the picket lines. Nice. So before we wrap this up, uh, it's time for me to reveal the answer to the riddle. Uh, I'm going to just read the answers that we've got. So we've got, what's your last one? What's your... My last guess. Yeah, my la your last guess. My final number has to be around like, I want to say between like 1,000 to 5,000. That's my final guess. So we have Ruiz saying 12, but then correcting to 13, <laughs> which really nice guess. <laughs> and we, we have Jack Truss saying, in a way, it almost doesn't matter what the number is, the answer is too many, which is true. And then we have Ines saying, Ines, which I'm assuming is Portuguese, saying uh, for five, uh, sorry, 4,000. So the answer to how many species are at risk of extinction due to climate change is more than 1 million. No. Especially amphibians. So even though extinction may be a natural phenomenon, climate change and human activity might be causing like that to accelerate. So wow. yeah, scientists say that we might be leading into a six max extension. So we might wow. not have frogs <laughs> in a couple of years. We'll see. But we need to definitely change something about it. Wow. That is, that's kind of left me speechless. I can't lie to you. 
But yeah, anyways, a big thank you to Rob Lowe, Tyler Grant-Hooley, Benazir Mohammed, and Nick James for talking with us. And another big thank you to the people of Leicester for sharing your voices with us. And finally, thank you to the crew here in the studio for a very smooth running show. Yeah. Don't forget to follow at DemonFM on Twitter and at underscore DemonFM on Instagram for updates on upcoming shows. Bye. Bye. Word on the street. 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 Word on the street.